0: So you got faith, love, money, worldviews, and health, and health being like, you know, what you eat and how you exercise. We all grew up with experiences in these different five areas. So for you, you know, you may have grown up in it's, you know, a very agnostic household and she grew up and it was a very faith-based household. There's a potential source of tension, right? That needs to be understood. What was it like when she grew up and how did that how did that work in their household and what are you open to is it just that you didn't grow up with faith so you're not going to be a faith-based guy that's it I mean, that was me i'll tell you how that went that turned out that, that didn't turn out very well you know that was uh fortunately i married a wife that had similar background but she 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 followed the path of faith and then i dragged my heels and it became it created tension. Uh,
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Today, we're going to be talking about marriage. My guest is Mike Povins. We had a really great discussion. Had some technical issues, so uh, we're going to get rid of those before you hear it. And it didn't stop our flow. Man, we were in flow. We were just we were just going back and forth about some just great topics on marriage. So Mike, um, he wrote a book called Iron and Cotton, and it's a really cool concept Let me tell you about it in a second. Before I forget, let's make sure that you are a part of the Men on Purpose community on Facebook. If you are not a part of the Men on Purpose community on Facebook, drop what you're doing right now. Get on there. Get signed up. It is free. There is free coaching. There are free giveaways. There's free contests. There is chances to win coaching, free coaching from Aaron and I privately. It's an ecosystem of like-minded men and some women who are looking to evolve themselves and find out their most authentic version of them and live the most fulfilling and regret free life possible. So get in there and get involved in the Monday and Thursday free coaching platforms. I mean, it's so beneficial. Like there's no reason not to do it. So anyway, there's that there's make sure you have, um, uh, subscribe to the podcast, mental purpose podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do on iTunes or wherever you listen and write a review We've got some giveaways that are coming up, so make sure you visit our website. You can find it on mentalpurposepodcast.com or you can find it at ianlobos.com. We've got a bunch of giveaways, a bunch of exercises that help people kind of just, get, just go, just go, just move forward. Like We've got an assessment there just to kind of help you figure out where you are and what your next steps are to personal growth. It's freaking phenomenal. I'm so proud of what we are building here for other people. We're nearing... Actually, by the time this goes out, we are over 700, potentially over 800 members in the mental purpose community, and that is freaking fulfilling as hell. That is so damn fulfilling. So anyway, all right, here we go. Iron and Cotton, right? This book that Mike wrote, I didn't understand what the title meant until he told us in the episode, which you're going to find out, and you're going to hear it, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Mike, and let me tell you a little bit about the book. So first and foremost, the book, Iron Cotton, Mike offers an insight that informs and prepares men for the greatest journey in life, which is marriage. And in this must-read book, you will understand the obstacles and the challenges that ensnare other men but will not ensnare you. You'll receive the tools to help defy the statistics of divorce and grow you into the intentional and purposeful man and husband that your family needs. That's a pretty damn good definition. I'm real good with that. That's a really good definition, Mike. And so here are some of the things we're going to talk about in the episode. I'm going to wrap this intro up because I know this is running. So we're going to talk about the difference in pain and fear and how it helps motivate you. We're going to talk about what it means to be a man. We're going to be talking about reigniting the passion in your relationship. We're talking about a very common element that we talk about, which is your relationship, your marriage. It grows to the extent that you do. If you're expecting your wife to grow, if you're expecting other things to happen for your relationship to grow or your marriage to get better, it will not happen. I guarantee it. I'll put money on it. Until you grow, until you make a commitment to grow, your relationship will not get any better. It may be temporary, yet without your growth, it's not sustainable. But money on it. So five core beliefs of humans. We're going to be talking about which kind of makes us tick. We're going to be talking about how to build your self-worth, seeking to understand, being curious, and asking questions of your partner. We're going to be talking about the definition of the man and Mike's 12 core values. We're going to be talking about rediscovering your wife, talking about discomfort now in communication or the discomfort of a stale marriage, possibly divorce, infidelity, whatever comes with that. And we're going to be talking about the definition of an affair. That's it. You ready? Here you go. This is Mike Pobins, Iron and Cotton, talking all about marriage. All right, Mike. Welcome, man. So let's, let's talk about marriage. And, and obviously, I just asked you before we started recording, what happened to you to force you into this mission? Or has this always been your mission?
0: Yeah, no. First of all, thank you for having me on the the podcast, buddy. You're putting out some really good content, and uh, I feel honored to be here. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, Hope you hope your followers get some good content out of this, and and uh, we'll go from there. But yeah, no, I I uh, I'm with you. Usually, when uh, you see someone passionate about a topic, you're like, all right, what happened? There's something (laughs) there, right? What something something triggered. Um, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. It was for me more of, uh, an awareness and, and an eye-opening kind of deal that happened more so than some tragic sure. event, or I know how that happens with people. Hey, you know, this guy wrote, uh, what radical husbands do, you know, and he talked about his marriage being you know, such a disaster and how he turned it around and what he had to do and what he learned right. and all that. It wasn't so much that for me, um, several years ago, uh, we'll call it five years ago now. I was just on a journey of what it means to be a man in this world. And what is society telling us it means to be a man? What is what is it that I need to do to to raise my son to, to be a man? And there was a lot of things that I was just trying to start paying attention to on what's been influencing me and my manhood and, and what do I want for my kids? And, and I've got two daughters, you know, one day they're going to be with a guy yeah. and... and how's he being brought up? So I just really dove deep into that. I'd go on runs. I like to run. Unfortunately, I've got a herniated disc right now. I can't run anymore, but, uh, be out there running and that's just all i daydream yeah. about for four years. I mean, it was just nonstop thinking about me and that led to marriage, you know? So a lot of those like, what, what am I doing in
1: my marriage? Sure. So. Uh, dude, I, that's yeah, a, that's a, I, I, you know, I don't mean like what happened, like a tragedy or like, uh, I think about like Wim Hof, you know, and this whole mission and movement he started was from this, this tragedy with his wife passing away, you know, just to paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there's a big motivating factor in pain. Was there pain sure. in your marriage? Was there like, was there a real, obviously the thinking about the kids and who they're going to attract into their life? Was there some missing in your relationship and the marriage that you were also kind of weighing out? It was a
0: multitude of factors, but specifically in marriage, there was a couple of things. Um, one, um, fear. Fear is a great motivator, right? So it wasn't so much pain, it was fear of what does this look like for my kids and fear of what did I miss out on from an education of knowledge that may lead me to divorce one day or lead me to you know, some unexpected tragic event for our, our marriage. And, you know, I, I, I walk with friends uh, and I see these different marriages that they're divorced or they're loveless, sexless marriages, or they're, they're just in some sort of roommate sure. situation. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be this way. So it, it, I had a little bit of fear of like that for me in my marriage, am I doing the right things to make sure that doesn't happen? I had a lot of fear when I thought about, well, what about my kids? You know, if I die tomorrow, did I hand off any knowledge to them to make sure they're prepared for how to have a great marriage? Because it can bring you so much health and happiness. Sure. On, on the up, op- on the opposite side, it can it can destroy you financially and it can destroy your health if you're not in a healthy marriage. So, I just got really passionate about that, and then even more so as I started to explore the topic and talk with buddies and and sit with men and and have conversations with guys who are going through divorce. And I have a number of buddies who have gone through divorce, and it's just rip your guts out kind of awful so so that that's the fire that's the passion i i want to arm men with some more information i want to get them fired up that this is something to even prepare for i think so much of so many of us go into marriage and i use the analogy in my book about going hiking and I'll, i'll stop for a second here do you like to go hiking
1: go on day hikes things like that i do yeah and i live in a great place for that
0: yeah Yeah. So you go on a day hike, right? All right. So does that mean you're ready to go hike the Appalachian trail? Not necessarily. Uh, No, not at all. So I think we, you know, we date our why our future wives, we go on dates and then we get married and then all of a sudden we're prepared to go through the journey of marriage. No. Yeah. If we were going to hike the Appalachian trail, if we're going to go on this long epic version of these day hikes, if we had run into somebody that had been on the Appalachian trail, we would be like, Hey, Hey, tell me, tell me what, you know, like, what did you see? Or what would you avoid? Or like, where would you, what would you have us do? What would you do differently? What would you make sure we do? And how would you prepare? There would be a lot of research online. We would do a ton of study. We'd probably follow like Facebook pages of people who have done the Appalachian Trail. We'd do a lot of stuff to make sure we are informed about that trip. And what I want to get guys fired up about doing is be a little more excited and informed about marriage and what to expect. There's so many resources out there. There's books like I've written. There's even... (laughs) there's outstanding books out there for, for marriage. There's Facebook pages, there's groups to follow. There's a ton of resources.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's an infinite amount of resources. The mm-hmm. the challenge is, do they want it bad enough? And the, here's the question that, that I'm kind of posing off of that statement. I know a lot of people that like college post-college, especially that post-college where they didn't, lock down their person in college. And now they're single and they're in their thirties or maybe even late thirties at this point, And they're like, haven't found my person yet. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're getting more specific, which means, which is not the way that the universe wants it. I mean, the universe rewards specificity, but not, not like that. And then like, they're getting desperate. And like, I think about people like that who jump in and there's, there's two different, angles here people like that who jump in and settle then I know plenty of friends from college who were like you know what this dating game sucks this guy's pretty decent I'm just gonna I'm gonna lock this up right and what's interesting is they if they had an easy out they'd take it yet they're miserable and they stay now here's the question for because of what you mentioned in terms of education of about marriage, right? Most of these guys didn't want to be in this relationship long term anyway. Most of them did not make a decision based on their personal needs to get married. They were just like marriage seems marriage is the next thing, right? It's That's just what we're talking. The next taught. logical step. The yep. next logical step. Or there was a baby involved, and this marriage is the next logical step. Whatever. How did those guys save a marriage when they really settled for it in the first place? And how do they get motivated to actually do the work on themselves and the relationship to save something that they actually don't see a future with? Cause that's a majority, right? That's a, that's a good majority yeah, of people. No, out
0: there. It's a great, it's a great lead in here as far as, you know, what we have with, you know, what I talked about earlier, these kind of sure. loveless, sexless roommate situations, because I don't have a better option or I'm afraid to change or, right. you know, it just ended up this way and I don't know how to get out of it. And I'm a, I'm a man of honor. I'm not going to leave her, or, you know, whatever. So, that's where I would say so many of us are just, and I, and I don't mean this to be rude or mean or whatever. We're just ill-equipped, and I know guys don't like to hear that. We yeah, are ill-equipped, it. but it's very real. I mean, think about the training that we've had to develop relationships. Each of us take an individual's, you know, account of what did you see as far as what a relationship looked like, and for most of us, it's just we saw what our parents did. Mom and dad, yeah. That was it. Yeah, it was it. So if you grew up in a household where it wasn't a great relationship and mom and dad were kind of doing their own thing and they were living in a loveless, sexless, you know, just roommate, roommate type situation, yeah. you, you're you're going to emulate a lot of that because you don't know how to make it better. You've never seen a really great marriage and what it can entail. Yeah. Do you know the greatest predictor of life expectancy? It's not diet. It's not exercise. It's not you're going to the doctor. Your greatest predictor of life expectancy is the health of your relationships. Hmm. So huge study about that. that followed a lot of people and it boiled out that you have got a better chance of making more money and being happier in life if you can work on the healthy relationships. So I want to implore these guys that are in these relationships. So you've invested in it. You're quote unquote stuck in it right? Well, you have the choice to make it better. It's up to you. So you can either complain about it and you can talk to your buddies and be like, Oh, the old ball and chain and throw her under the bus and be sarcastic and be kind of a punk, or you can turn it around and actually invest and turn this thing into something great. But that's where the tools are lacking. And that's where I would challenge guys to pick up a book, take a look at my book, take a look at somebody else's book, Uh, follow some, there's a group called marriage 365. There's a, Uh, Dave and Ashley Willis, if you're a religious kind of guy, you know, there's uh, a number of different resources out there to help you with a number one thing here is just learn about your partner, take a vested interest in who they are and start dating all over again. You know,
1: there's a, what about the awkwardness? So I talked about this on an episode I shot, I did like two days ago. What about when the, the water has worn enough of the rock down to start a channel and the channel is mm-hmm. clear, the water runs through that channel, it's very clear. That's yeah. the time on the relationship and your roommates. And yeah, maybe sex is still okay because you're still young enough. And, um, and you've let kids and job and all the other bullshit of life you know, get in your way. That's your fault. Even if you're shaking your head right now, it's your fault, you've let that happen. A relationship is only the only lifeblood of the relationship is the people in the relationship. A relationship is not an entity. It's you and them. And that's it. Yeah. Like, what about, cause I've had this before in my coaching business where a guy says like, dude, I want to, I want to fire this thing back up, but it's so awkward for me to say, I love you to my wife again. Or it's so uncomfortable for me. Like we, you know, maybe, maybe a guy says, uh, Hey, my, my wife and I haven't had sex in like a year, which by the way, guys, that guy who was saying that, and this is a random guy, isn't is one of my clients, was 28 years old. Like it happens. All the bullshit bravado that most guys talk about when they're with their friends, that's mm-hmm. not real. It's not real. So the question is, how do you kind of work through that awkwardness and that uh, that rut that's been formed when you've like looked up from, you know, all of a sudden you look up and you go, or you had something shake you. And you go, holy shit, it's been four years and we haven't been on a vacation. And I haven't really been passionate or, or intimate with my wife. Maybe we have sex every once in a while. But what, how do you reignite that when it's just uncomfortable? Yep. You know?
0: No, definitely. I, I love where you're going. Um, I am fired up about this topic because I want guys to be in meaningful, loving, rewarding, intimate, hot, relationships. I want that for you. I want that for myself. And I think to do that, you've got to break through exactly what you're talking about, that discomfort. It's going to take courage. It's going to take some boldness and it's going to take persistence. You didn't get there into this situation or problem in a short amount of time, probably. It's been little things probably over time that have led to where you are and that separation that's happened. Like you're talking, there's a, there's a channel, there's a divide. So you're gonna have to stay invested and go. I'm I'm investing for the long haul here to make this better. Yeah. And a big part of that is uh, the book. The book came out and there's been a lot of stuff going around for a while about uh, the love languages. And I think guys need to take a little more time to invest in that. You take the lead. You know, <laughs> I laugh. My wife likes to send me these surveys. She's like, Oh, take this quiz and tell me what kind of flower you would be. I'm like, I don't care what kind of flower I would be. You know, like. You know, you get these little little things that the, some of the ladies like to do, and my wife definitely does. Um, but this one you should do. You need to take the test and better understand. and We all want to be loved, okay? Sure. We want to we want to be loved, and we need to learn how to give love. So, my love language is touch and gifts. I love getting a gift. I love you know you know getting a back rub and time with my wife. But uh, that's not her love languages. Hers are words of affirmation and her and quality time. But it's amazing how we give the love that we want. So I'm trying to give her a back massage. I'm trying to give her gifts and win out, you know, her love and affection. And at the same time, she's giving me words of affirmation and trying to send quality time. Like, I'm good. You know, I don't need that. So you got to recognize that love is an action. It's not a feeling. Okay. A lot of guys want to say, well, I just don't love her anymore. I don't feel it or whatever. You have to give love to actually start seeing love happen and feel love. Okay. You can't just, I don't feel it anymore. If, if you don't feel it anymore, that means you're not taking enough action. You're not making love a verb. Yeah. So. yeah.
1: love that. Yeah. love that. That's a great point. That's a really great point. And let's, let's start with the, one of the pieces and the, just the, in the Genesis of this whole shift and transformation is just admitting that You haven't done it the best way you could or you haven't put all the effort in that you could have or you didn't do things that served the relationship or let's 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 blame, which we can. In this case, blaming is usually for victims. However, in this case, let's just let's not blame. Let's identify where we were programmed, right? Let's identify where we were programmed in our coaching curriculum in our mastermind or one of our events. Like the one thing we lead people through is a a structure called uh, the purpose-driven formula where it's illuminate first, which is understand how you got your beliefs, your language, your programming, your mindset, your attitude, your habits. Somebody programmed you like you said. It's mom and dad. We watched them as models for how long? And nobody ever looked at us and said, hey, by the way, uh, your mom and dad aren't good models. Don't watch them even if they did we'd still watch them because it's like it's just ingrained it's unconscious yep so like and you know in aa first step is admitting there's a problem so the first step is like don't blame your wife don't blame yourself just go and seek out and understand right where did i get programmed from why do i feel this way when my wife does this why do i react this way when my wife does this why does my attitude shift when i when somebody does this the more you can understand about you the more the relationship can change. If you don't understand you, you're literally going into the relationship as the same person trying to change. If like there's a common, common phrase in this podcast and in our coaching world, your life, your business, your relationships, your money, it all grows to the extent that you do. So if you want to have a better relationship, you got to work on you must. It's a must. Can, For sure. Cannot do it any other way. And you cannot expect the other person to grow and change the relationship. I tried that. It doesn't work. It doesn't yep. work. You gotta change. You gotta grow. No, that doesn't work. You know? Yeah,
0: 100 percent buddy. I, I've been through a lot of research with this. I've been through some different things with marriage counselors and absolutely everybody's gotta focus on themselves and getting themselves healthier, better understand who they are, why they react the way they do. In my book, I talk about uh, five core beliefs. We all will—I narrowed it down to uh, five things that we would probably kind of go to war on, like we we battle because they were our "quote unquote" normals. So you got faith, love, money, worldviews, and health. And health being like you know what you eat and how you exercise. We all grew up with experiences in these different five areas. So. For you, you know, you may have grown up and it's, you know, very agnostic household and she grew up and it was a very faith-based household. There's a potential source of tension, right? That needs to be understood. Why, what was it like when she grew up and how did that how did that work in their household? And what are you open to? Is it just that you didn't grow up with faith, so you're not going to be a faith-based guy? That's it? I mean, that was me. I'll tell you how that went. That turned out. That didn't <laughs> turn out very well. Not good. You know, that was, uh, fortunately, I married a wife that's had similar background, but she... She, she followed the path of faith and then I dragged my heels and it became, it carried tension. Um, you know, love, what does love look like in your family? You know, like we talked about earlier, you know, did, how did you see your parents love each other? How do, how were you loved? What, what does that even look like? And was it healthy? You know, and yeah. do you even realize, was it healthy? I had a, uh, you know, again, the normal, I had a guy one time tell me that he, he and his wife were on their sixth separation. And he's like, man, it's just not good. And he goes, but even worse is my wife came back and she's like, it's okay. My parents separated like 12 times. This is just normal. Oh, so I mean, what, look what, at,
1: is that, is ahead. that somebody that's unwilling to do the work? I mean, obviously there's some programming there. Is that a, is, a six separation? Is that, is that a, a couple that's unwilling to do the work on themselves? I would think so.
0: I don't know I them do. intimately enough. I mean, I, I think it's something that, okay, we keep separating. We're just we need to really ref- here, but Yeah. Yeah. We need to reflect here on what am I doing? What are you doing? And, and I think people are also scared of counseling, I, yeah. individual counseling, maybe even more so than uh, marriage counseling is some advice I've got from some, some, uh, some very uh, strong sources on this marriage world, but working on yourself is almost that much stronger of a, plan than going to marriage counseling
1: um well how but- could you how could you expect I, I i talked to somebody two weeks ago they said i've been marriage counseling for six years and i was like cool what about personal counseling one-on-one what about personal development coaching what about any of that no i never done that i'm like well how the hell do you expect that thing to change and he's like right i don't know man shouldn't the counselor have said something i'm like dude here's the one thing we got to understand people have agendas <laughs> A counselor has an agenda. You're a paycheck to them. They don't want you to leave. They know for a fact that they cannot help you. They know for a fact. And I think most counselors out there, therapists, are charlatans. If you don't know that, not saying, audience, if you don't know that word, look it up. I'm just being nice to say scam artists. Like, so are most coaches, by the way. They get a piece of paper and then just kind of start telling people things that they learned. Instead of living it, right, the audio is not matching the video. But, like, how do you expect to, to, to the relationship to grow if you don't do the work?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I went to, there was a period of my life, I actually went to a counselor for a little while, and I did that individual work. And they helped expose areas of that I needed to work on, which was yeah. very, very powerful. So you, you got to keep shop. It's like anything. If you don't shop around, if you don't get good resources, you don't have you know, good recommendations, um, then 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 don't just go to go you and sure. you need to go to do the work too, right? Yeah. Don't just go yeah. and be like, well, they're, they're going to solve her,
1: you know, right. or, go through the motions. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. You need to really, you know, commit, but, um, there's something I wanted to bring back to you. Sure. You talked about the guy in that awkward situation and then he led to, um, you know, kind of these differences that have built up and all that. Uh, there's a, an expert out there named John Gottman done years of studies on marriage. And one of the things that I just, you know, just sticks out out of that book, out of all the great content that's in there. um, He's got like the seven steps to marriage. I cannot tell you how good that thing is. Uh, What's the book called? uh, Oh, shoot. The seven. It's John Gottman, the seven something. I
1: apologize. We're going to we're going to find it for the audience before we while you're talking, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to put that
0: that as, look, I'd love to put my book as number one, but I'm going to put that one as, uh, buy two books, buy my book and buy his book, okay? Okay. But um, he talks about the four horsemen and to be very, very careful of the four horsemen when you're dealing with each other in a relationship. And those four horsemen are being someone that criticizes, holding someone in contempt, being defensive, which I know I can do, and stonewalling, where you just absolutely shut down if you want to start to repair and mend, and if you want to stay out of trouble, you can have a complaint in your relationship. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that this is going on, whatever that is, fill in the blank. But can if you you're give like, me those again? it's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Criticism is I'm coming after you and you're in, like who you are and your integrity, not the problem. It'd be like, Ian, I think, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're just a failure and you're, you're not getting it done around here because you're whatever, you know, just going after you as opposed to, Hey man, I'm really upset that we haven't accomplished this. I'd like to get you involved. That's a complaint. Criticisms going after the person. Contempt is it it could be replaced with disgust. If you're sitting there looking at your partner and all you can feel is disgust, then then there's still, that that attitude's gotta change. You're not gonna get anywhere with someone that you're just absolutely disgusted with. You've got to find ways to appreciate that person for who they are, honor them for who they are, and then you can start moving forward. But if you're in disgust mode, you, you, get, you gotta fix that before you're gonna even be able to move forward. Defensiveness, we all know what defensiveness looks like. And then stonewalling, I think we all know what that probably looks like too. It's just, I'm not even gonna engage in this conversation, I'm walking away. Now, sometimes we do need to walk away. Things get hot. And if you don't walk away or take a breath or ask for that a downtime so that we can take this on with a cool head, yeah. that's smart. That's actually really smart. You know, they, it's been very recommended throughout marriage counseling and everywhere that you need to cool off before you get into, you know, a serious topic, if you can.
1: Sure. Uh, and, seven principles for making marriage work. Thank you. Yep. yep
0: it's excellent guys it's chock full of not only great insights uh but it also has little uh just did one the other night with my wife a great little you know kind of game to play Uh, you know you're stuck on a stranded island you can only grab 10 items there's 50 of them
1: yeah what would you grab
0: just yeah it just kind of helps you and then you kind of assess well how did we work together you know yeah so good just easy, true, false things to answer and then give yourself a self-assessment and be like, you know what? No, I'm not a very patient person. I I need to work on that. Or, uh, if, if your wife won't read
1: it with you, read it yourself. Yeah. This is about what we're talking about here is all about you. There's, there's no, and I I have this conversation with guys every day where they're like, well, my wife's not coming to the line. I'm like, there's no line. There is no line. It's a hundred percent from you and a hundred percent from her. And if you're worried that she's not giving 100%, then there's a problem there, right? There, that may be the, the contempt or the defensiveness or stonewalling. It, that, that's very clear. And I feel like most guys who run more aggressive, and I want to know your thoughts on this, or like more um, like type A or like alpha dog, whatever the hell you want to call it, their wives are not that type of person and they're, they're like – they're almost being subservient to that attitude and behavior style that that guy has. So the likelihood that your wife is going to pipe up. I mean, I honestly, I know this from my marriage. Like my wife is not like me. She's, she's very different personality from me. And what we realized when we started getting really clear open communication was like, she didn't feel like she'd ever could be heard. Then what we determined was that that was something from her past that was starting to pop up and be reminded by the way I was operating and showing up in the relationship. I was showing up in the relationship because I watched my dad take the reins and move the family forward. And that's what you do. You provide and you go out and seek new opportunity and find new animals to kill and bring them back and and have a plethora of animals for the family to eat. That's what you do. That was pure programming from both of us. So technically, both of us were in our unconscious ego states. We literally were not ourselves, the real true authentic us in our relationship for like five years, maybe even more, yeah. maybe even more. What are your thoughts on that? The, the, the fact that most people show up in their relationship. I know we're getting deep on this one. Most people show up in their relationship as the traumatized version of them. Eckhart Tolle speaks so well about this and the pain body, which is the ego and the trauma and the bullshit from the past. And we, We're attracted to people's pain bodies. And we literally stay with the pain body because that means the ego is fed and the ego will stay alive. Isn't that crazy?
0: It's wild. You know, yeah. The more I dive into this to better understand why we have such challenges and is a lot of what you said. So we each have our our backgrounds, right? And our own little unique quirkiness about us or something that you know we believe the things that we believe because of what happened to us or we had a pain so we don't want to feel that pain again there's just mm-hmm. so many different little nuances of what makes each one of us tick and it's it's wild we want to fix that in everybody else but ourselves right we see that that little nuance in our wife or you know girlfriend or whatever it is at the time and we're like man if she was only just you know this way or different in another way this would be so much easier. Well, we're trying to make them like us, as opposed right. to right. adapting to who they are and and finding uh, some good in that. Now, there's some things that are unhealthy for sure, and we need to help our partners understand some of those things that, you know, you know, when they when they're unhealthy. But but if we're just trying to make them like us, look, at, there's another test out there, and again, we're going to be searching the internet here. I apologize, but there's it's a uh color coding test and i'll tell you like i'm a i'm a red yellow it basically means i can be you know very outgoing and and also have a very dominant side of me well my wife's uh my wife's a uh you know a green yellow which means she's a little bit more reserved a little more shy and and can be outgoing if the situation represents that way but anyway we have our different personality types and we need to be aware of what our our wives or significant others personality type is and, and realize that's their strengths. It's not their weaknesses. And I I give the analogy all the time. If I ask a fish to climb a ladder, it's my own fault for asking a fish to climb a ladder. A fish is designed to swim. That fish is going to fail trying to climb a ladder.
1: So I want to, I want to go back to something that like, I, I always want to figure out the foundational bedrock items for humans so that, you know, I, I I created this this company, this brand, this movement, whatever, just like you did out of something we didn't like and out of stuff we did like. One of the things I didn't like was that a lot of the other coaching programs that I was going through were not getting to the bedrock. They weren't getting to the real meat of someone's situation. They were just... They were what I call acquisition type coaching programs or seminars where they just give you a bunch of shit to try. Try this meditation, try this over here, try that over there. Yet they're not getting to the root of the issue. Now, most of these people were not qualified to get to the root of the issue. So, fine. However, I think it's really dangerous because that's when people just keep going through and going through and going through more and more programs, and you get someone who's like, yeah, I've been going to this seminar for 10 years. I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, How's your life improved? I'm like, oh, well, it hasn't yet. It's, it takes time. I'm like, it doesn't take 10 effing years. No. It doesn't take 10 years. Something's not getting to the root. And so the question I have in the at the root is, I, I think most guys don't feel like they're worth it. Most guys don't feel like they're valuable enough to move on or to even fix their marriage. Most guys... Most guys that I talk to, myself included at, at a certain point in my life, like I thought, well, you know, when, when my wife and I were really thinking about getting divorced and moving on like six years ago, I thought, I, mean, I don't really want to start dating again. I don't really want to go through all that. That's a pain in the ass. Like I might as well just stick this out. And that was my attitude for about a day. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And then I started like, no, listen, this, this is, this is, this is, this woman is everything I've ever wanted and needed in my life. Like she's perfect partner for me. I'm not a perfect partner for her. Right. And yeah. I, and I had been getting that drilled into me for a very long time. That's why it just was so clear. But what, what, what do you say about guys that, that don't feel like they're valuable? They don't feel like they're worth it or they're, or they, they're afraid that if they do get out of the relationship, then all they're going to be doing is there's now they're even more stuck providing because they've got to pay for two households now. And And now they're just now they're they're reduced to seeing their kids every other weekend. And like now they're going to stay in this relationship that isn't healthy because the alternative is even worse, which forces them into this thing that says you got to change. You got to evolve. And in their mind, they're going, I'm not fucking worth it. My opinion doesn't matter. No one cares about me. So like now you're in a vicious cycle. Right. What, What do they do then?
0: Oh, man, you hit on a lot of good stuff here that I, I want to address a number of different things. I, I want to yeah. start out quickly with you are absolutely worth it, man. And the world needs more men that realize they are worth it. More women need husbands that realize they're worth it. And they need fathers that feel like they're worth it. And you have what it takes. There's a big question in a lot of men's mind. Do I have what it takes? And sometimes we get defeated by that question and we don't move forward. You know, I think about... Um, finding joy and happiness in something that i i want to have joy and happiness in that i'm not really good at and i'll give you my example it's fishing okay Okay. i i love fishing i love being on the water but i tell you it took years of me being the worst fisherman for me to figure out how to be a decent fisherman and i still got a long way to go and i would tell you in a relationship it can be a lot of the same like man i'm I, and you want to talk about pain? I have hooked myself. I have, you know, <laughs> fallen off the boat. I have actually thrown rods in the water on accident and lost money. I mean, there's been some pain where I've decided I was going to throw the boat away, throw the rods away and just give up on this whole thing. But I knew there was pain there was joy in there and there was something that I loved and I wanted to continue to do, but I had to learn and I had to ask questions. I had anybody that fish, I talked to them about it. Anybody that, you know, had boats, I talked to them about it. Anybody that, um, you know, had a resource that they could turn me on to, I, I would engage in it. So you can make the choice to just keep moving forward with a, a miserable relationship and be honest with you. That is your choice where you can invest or you can try to make a change. You can ask uh, some people for help. You got to get a little vulnerable and have the courage to say, I, I am struggling here. And that's where I would lead guys to. If you don't have a tight men's group, you need one. We all need one. We need guys that we yeah. can not just go play golf with and grab a beer with and do all that. That's fun. You know, we need to be able to have that release, but if you don't have guys that you can be really honest with and transparent with, and not the ones that are just going to pat you on the back and be like, yeah, she sounds awful and you should divorce her. I mean, the guys are like, how can I help you? Or, Hey, I'll go take that class with you. Or you know what? I'll, I'll read a book with you too. I probably helped me with my marriage. So I think there's Let me, let me ask you something
1: on that though. There, there are, I always say a lot of guys, and I'm, I'm basing this off of, like, I talk to thousands of guys a year. This, There's a lot of guys out there that are doing the golf thing, doing the football thing, doing the, the, the weekend thing, yet that's not actually them. They're doing that to avoid and to escape from something. Yeah. And they'd actually rather be with a group of men. Like, for instance, there's a, a group that um, Aaron and I coach, and a lot of those guys said, you know, like, this is where I want to be. These are the type of men I want to be around. Like, I don't want to be on the golf course playing 36 holes in a weekend. I actually want to be with guys like you talking about the challenges I'm facing because I want to be better on Monday morning. Not just like, you know, I, I, I scored, you know, I beat all my buddies at golf. Like That actually didn't have a significance to me. It made me feel significant in the moment, yet it didn't have a significance in my life. And I, and I regretted on Monday or Sunday night that I took that time away from my family I don't know how to break the cycle.
0: Yeah. So,
1: what do you think about like the the inauthentic life that most guys are living? I say most because it is the majority. It really is the majority. Like, how do you get it to find yourself? And by the way, mental purpose community is that community you should join. <laughs> yeah. It's an ecosystem. It's an ecosystem of like minded guys who are seeking to elevate and evolve themselves. And we can talk yeah. about all kinds of shit in there, it's just not we talk about growth.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I bet you, for those guys that are out there playing golf thinking like that, I bet there's somebody else on that tee box thinking exactly the same way.
1: Yeah, I agree. How and do it, you become the guy that breaks that that thing goes, hey, can I talk to you about something deep? You know, I,
0: I, uh, a few years ago, I, I went down a faith journey, and it became a big part of my life. And so it was something I never talked about at work. I just separated that out. I um, yeah. But it was wild how... I would every now and then let something slip of, yeah, I was talking to a customer and I mentioned something about, yeah, I've got my men's group with church that I was, we were talking about a similar topic and they're like, oh, where do you, you know, go to church or, you know, all of a sudden the conversation opened up that I could talk about a piece of my life that is important to me, this, this newfound faith, because I was able to just slip a little something out there and see if they took it. If they took it, we'd run with it. If not, right. then... So it's it's being a little strategic with if, you know, a little vulnerable, put it out there. And if somebody bites on it, then great. If they start teasing and goofing off, then you might know that that's not that's not the guy that that you can maybe trust with with those kind of conversations.
1: Fair, fair. Okay. Yeah, the thing that I I used to worry about is. I don't want, I don't want to be outcast from this group because I'm the guy that wants to talk about feelings, you know, and I so desperately wanted to talk about and understand other people's feelings and my feelings because, you know, not, not to discredit my parents, they just didn't teach me that they didn't know about that. They, they didn't understand their own feelings and emotions. And, and so I learned to manage emotions once they came up not understand them. So they don't come up like that. Or when they do like you're clear, like, Oh, this is cool. Like it's a little anxiety. Cause I'm thinking about the future. I know what this is. That's, that's a, that was a, a big fear of mine in talking to other men. Like I do not want to be a pussy, you know, like that's, that's what men who share their feelings are.
0: Yeah. No, we definitely put that label on it. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, dude, I get, <laughs> I get so much great feedback for this podcast. And I'm so grateful for it. And I'm also grateful for the hate mail that I get. I should publish some of it. I just <laughs> don't like to give it a lot of attention. I get a lot of emails and and DMs from guys that are like, "Man, you're 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 like you're you're turning men into women, and like you're pussifying men. And I, you know we need to teach men how to hunt and, and skin animals." And I'm like, "What? Okay, man, no, no problem. I, I respect your opinion. That's just not my that's not my format here. So." Pick that shit somewhere else. And i have people that want to be on the podcast and they're like, Hey man, I think you need a different opinion. I think you need like real men's shit. And you're like, well, I don't understand what real men's shit is.
0: I think there's yeah. this, this, uh, line that they're like, well, you're either this or, yeah. you're, or you're this. And I think the reality is we can be all that guys. I, yeah. I'm a concealed carry guy. I like to hunt. I like to fish. But damn if I'm not going to sit down with my wife and help understand what she's going through and be a compassionate guy, I carry it's a pocket a knife and I carry a handkerchief. The pocket knife is to defend and right. the, and to do whatever, you know, I need to do from a strength standpoint and the and the handkerchief, that's that whole iron and cotton on the front. That's to yep. wipe that's to wipe her tears, that's to bandage, you know, and be a compassionate person too. So if you think that being uh, understanding understanding emotions is strength. There's a, one of the things I put in my book is a study on emotional intelligence. Do you know only 36 people out of the 500,000 studied actually understand their emotions. We got all these people running around that don't even truly understand what they're feeling. God gave us all these emotions, this range of emotions, And, uh, this other lady, Gloria Wilcox bolted down into six. You got anger, disgust, sadness, fear, happiness, and surprise. Well, guess what? Sadness, fear, and surprise, a lot of us guys think are weak. We don't want to feel surprised, like we don't know what's going on. You know, we don't want to be sad, we don't want to show that emotion, and we don't want to have, you know, fear be be on the forefront. That's weak, right? That's what we think. So. So we take that away, and then all we are left with is anger and disgust and happiness. So we're either responding with two really negative emotions, which I know a lot of guys that are angry, they don't know how to express cool. their emotion and it comes out in anger. Well, guess what sure. that does to your relationships? It just kills them because cool. you're not expressing yeah. that, hey, I'm actually a little afraid of something here. I'm afraid to lose my job or I'm afraid my wife's gonna leave me or I'm afraid of what, you know sure. reality. And it, and instead it's, I'm pissed at this or I'm pissed at that. And she sucks and and it comes out in anger and you're not getting anywhere except you're furthering that, that cycle uh, that's going to lead you to that. Yeah. She is going to leave. And yeah, you are going to lose that job.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting though, is a lot of guys that, that I've talked to about that, like, dude, your, your wife's not going to respond to your anger. If you just stop and say to her, like, this is what I'm feeling. And he goes, well, how, well, how do I do that? And I said, look, don't be afraid that she's not going to support you. You've been an asshole for 10 years. She's she supports you cuz she's still around, whether it's by fear or not. You got to break this cycle. That's what we were talking about in the beginning. Like it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. I, I I mean I I still have that happen. I'm sure you do. Like fear comes up and I'm like fuck this. And it comes out in frustration. And my wife will go, "When you're ready to talk to me about what's behind this? I'm ready to listen. Other than that, I'm not I'm not this isn't this isn't I'm not open to this. This version of you.
0: Yeah, and I would say, say for those guys, do you think lack of control is strength? No. No, no. lack totally. of control is not strength. You, you no. having control is is strength. And so understanding your emotions and what you're feeling and be like, you know what, I'm ticked at this ceiling fan because it's above my head <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I can't get it to hang right. And I'm actually, I'm not mad at my wife that just came in and said, are you done yet? And I'm like, no, sure. I'm not done yet. Like, you know. And I'm barking at her. It's not her. It's me. I, my pride's injured because I should be man enough to get the ceiling fan up and done in a timely fashion. But my arms are killing me, and the, and the, the nut fell off or whatever. Yeah. So it's a like controlling that anger and be like, you know, I don't need to bark at her. And if I did, I need to I need to quickly repair. That was not her fault. That's yeah. my own inadequacy. That's me losing control, and that's that's a a, a weakness. Not uh, having emotion is not a weakness.
1: Yeah, I, there's there's, dude, there's so many things that i'm writing down to like ask you about i don't even know what time it is cuz my timer reset we're just going to keep going um, what's interesting is like you had mentioned something earlier about definition of a man i just wanted to i want to i want to talk about that cuz i know there's going to be some guys who are like why didn't you ask that question so i you, you we just kind of went over it with like most guys think that they have to be one or the other, right? That, that there isn't this mix of masculine and feminine energy, which there totally is. That's what yin and yang is. That's what, that's what black and white is. That's what night and day is. It's, it's a, it's a juxtaposition of energies and, and, you know, and so there is, I think everybody's common definition, what I seek to understand and what I want to know, what I, what I like looking at and I'm not a politics guy. I don't watch politics. I don't watch the news. I don't really watch TV. Um, I watch Netflix, like I don't, it's not that I don't watch TV, it's that I don't watch like cable TV. Right. What you described earlier, which is like, you have to fit into this one thing. Like if you're a man, this is what you are and you're right here like this. And if you're a woman, this is what you are. And that's the same shit that happens in politics. And I've talked about this a couple times on this show. Like this is what happens with, with the division between like Republicans and Democrats or, or like. You know, citizens and, and, and immigrants or whatever it might be, people, they, they are so weak inside and so unknowing of who they really are and or so afraid to speak up and stand for who they really are. Not not these topics, but like, well, this is really this is me. This is what I think Like they're so afraid of that, that they bond with these groups And they go, well, I'm a this, and this is what we think, and all the other people think this way and are like that. And I go, how the fuck do you even brush your teeth in the morning? Mm -hmm. How did you procreate? How do you drive a car with that limited amount of thinking? Not limited like you have a disability. Limited as in your self-choice to be that limited in your thinking and to not know that other people have an opinion. I mean that's what's so fucked up with our government is that – People's opinions are so radical and they're they're coming from a place of fear and scarcity that we don't have a clue what is actual or factual today. We just don't. That's the limit of my political discussion, by the way. All
0: right. <laughs> <You're a laughs> so what's
1: man. the definition of a man?
0: Yeah, so you know, I'll take that one with the the first thing that comes to mind and it was actually what I was seeking, you know, that five some years ago was what what does it actually mean? What does it mean to me? What is it what do I how would I define it? Because I'm raising a son now. And again, I've got daughters and there's going to be men showing up and what gauge do I have for them and for myself? Cause I've been, I've been just been living life. You know, I'm having fun, you know, in my twenties, you know, growing up, uh, thinking I just want to make money and buy things and toys and go have adventures. Yep. And I'm not thinking about this stuff, but this stuff matters. It, it really does on, on what it means to be a man out there today. and, it's this big discussion, you know, and, and, uh, you hear the word toxic masculinity going out there and all that. I don't even want to hear that noise personally for me. I just want to live my life by a set of values and that's where I'll go with this. So I launched a uh, actually originally where this all started was something called modern chivalry men. I've still got it out there, Facebook page and all that, but I'm not doing as much with that. But I came down to 12 core values that I wanted to live by and define myself as a man by those core values. So, Adventure, courage, courtesy, leadership, loyalty, passion, honor, empathy, trust, all these different words that I want to say that is associated with who I am and who yeah. I want to be. Doesn't mean I get it right every day, but I wear it on my wrist to remind you, hey, that situation you're in, were you honest? Did you show empathy? Did you go have some adventure this week? You know, did you do yeah. these things to be the man that you say you want to be? You just went by a car that was pulled over on the side of the road. I thought you were gonna be that guy that helps. You know, why, yeah. why aren't you go over there? Why didn't you take the time? Because I'm inconvenienced. So we we have these things that are like, oh, I'm gonna talk about it, but am I gonna actually live it out? Now, I remember getting a guy, uh, we get into pulling by, I pulled up behind a van that I found out was broke down because it wasn't moving. I got out and there's a pregnant woman in the front seat. And I was like, oh geez, and she's upset. She's frustrated, she's scared. Traffic's going by like crazy. Well, there's a Jeep behind me with a dude in it, and he looks as irritated as he can be. Well, I go back there, and I get him like, she needs help. And you could just tell I had put him out. But yeah. we, got, we got out. I got him to come help. We pushed it to the side. Dude walked off with a little lighter step. He got yeah. to be a part of being a man out there in today's world, okay? Sure. That's the kind of stuff where you step up, you stand up for people. You have a set of values that you live by, and you don't watch people get walked all over at work. You don't let women be treated poorly. You still open the dang door, even if she doesn't want you to, you know, you do, you live by a code that you say, this is to me what it means to be a man and talk to other yeah. guys and be around guys that are of similar values. If you keep hanging out with guys that are talking trash, drinking too much, doing whatever, then, you know, you're, you're a product of your own environment then. And, and you're not taking ownership of what it means to be a man.
1: Yeah, I really really enjoy that definition. I love that definition of I, I love that definition. It's so complete. And and by the way, you don't have to, you don't have to be uh that way only to women. That is you being a, a man on purpose and and a model of that man on purpose to everybody. It doesn't mean you have to hold a door for women. It means you hold a door for people. It means you help people not a pregnant woman that's just one scenario you can help people and the empathy toward people is is it's a real missing in our society uh, a lot of the time um i'm going to get my for the audience i'm going to get the 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 show in the show notes all all there's all your um criteria of a man the 12 things are going to be out we're going to we'll list them out did you list 12 by the way
0: uh, I'm not sure if I got all the way through, but I, uh, I ran off a number of them.
1: Okay. Um, we will, you email me all 12 and then we'll, we'll, we'll post those up. We'll do. I, I really, I just really enjoy those. When I hear empathy, when I hear passion, like I, I really enjoy that. So there's, there's, I, I think we're probably near time. I just, I got a couple more questions. Um, and I think this is a really important topic. So if you've got a little bit more time, let's, let's keep going.
0: I'm, I'm good to go. I do think I did miss one value that I want to make sure I say, because we hit on it earlier, and that's yeah. fearless, fearless love, not just love, fearless love, yeah. love people fearlessly in the sense of, I don't know that I'm going to get that love back. I don't know that uh, I like, you know, what people may think, but I'm going to do it anyway, without like fear.
1: I, I'm, I'm going to love even though I'm afraid of maybe getting hurt.
0: Yep. Fearless yeah.
1: love. Yeah. Beautiful. That's great, man. That's really great. So, hmm, there's so many questions, <laughs> so many things that I'm like curious about.
0: You might have Let's to do talk. another recording, man. We'll set up we time. I'd talk. love to come back.
1: What about what about time in a marriage? Because there's, there's people that I talk to, and they go, "Wow, we been married 20 years." You know how how do you how do you rekindle that? How do you How do you bring, like you were talking about, like, I want to, I want to love, man. I want to be passionate. I want to like have fire. Like, how do you rekindle a a, a marriage that's just kind of gone a little stale? Not, not like you didn't put the effort in. It's just that much time with one person. You both evolved. Maybe you've evolved away from each other. Perhaps. How do you bring that passion back?
0: I would guess I, I'm not in that state, but I know some older men that I went to a marriage sure. conference with, they were in that state. And a big part of what came out of that was rediscovering your wife. So you're 15 years oh. into marriage, 20 years of marriage. You go through like a season like I'm going through with my wife where we have three kids. It's like tag in, tag out wrestling match kind of stuff. Like you go take this one to soccer. You go take this one to dance. Yeah, you know. Next thing you know, 10 years has gone by and you're you're not spending time with each other. You're not going on dates and you're both evolving during this time. Your job, her job or her being at home or you, whatever the dynamic is, you're still changing as people. You're still being influenced by shows, TV, news, all that stuff. So you're changing. So I would highly encourage if you want to bring that intimacy back, you want to bring back that connection, you need to relearn your wife and whatever you think you knew about her when you guys first got married needs to almost be thrown out and say, I'm gonna rediscover this woman that's across from me. I'm gonna date her again. And that sounds awkward and, and weird. There is a um, an app that John Gottman has. John Gottman has an app like it's called it's got flashcards. so it's the Gottman Flashcards Gottman Institute and you can pull up uh, their app. I think it's great. And they have date night questions, a lot of different little materials in there that you can use to help you re-navigate this connection with your wife and try to get to know her again. I read somewhere, and actually a couple different places about how these older couples, they would actually state that they remarried each other at least three times in their lifetime. I married who she was in her 20s. I I married the new woman she was in her 40s. And we were remarried again in our 60s because it's a whole nother person that they evolved yeah. into. And you're going to evolve. If you're sitting there thinking she's not the 20-year-old woman that she was, you're not either, man. And right. You, right. she needs to remarry you. So you need to keep being the guy that she wants to, to be with.
1: Yeah, and, and you got to understand who that guy is that she's looking to be with. Because I know a lot of guys that just let themselves go. And this is where that self-value piece comes in. Like you got to do this for you. And if you don't find the the passion or the space for you to be able to do it for you, you're not going to do it for her. Yeah. And then I think, think about her, think about what it is that she wants. If you don't know, you got to ask. Anybody that says to me, "Well, I think my wife," and I go, "Oh, no, no, hang on, don't don't think, go ask." And they go, "Well, it's not really a question I want to ask." And they go, "Cool. Well, now we know the we know a space where we need some work. It's great." Yeah. Our, our, our job is to just deduce down where the work needs to be because when someone thinks like, well, shit, I've got kids, I've got a job, they go, she's got a job, she's doing this, we're doing this, soccer and ballet and all these different things. Then it goes, well, wh- when is there time for us? When is there time for me? When is there time for her? When is there time for us? And so we have to, we have to break down exactly where we need to put our energy and effort and time to spend on us and our relationship. And that's it. Look yeah. for clues. Look
0: for clues. I'm going to use a little fear motivation for some of these guys that are listening here. Tell well, me what's wait. more uncomfortable going to your wife and having a real conversation about what you want and what you need and what she wants and what she needs. Be it whatever the you know aspect of your lives from help around the house to in the bedroom, but having real authentic conversations, because i tell you the real authentic conversation you're going to have to have that if you're not doing that is who gets custody of the kids? How are we breaking up this? You're gonna be using lawyers to be having these conversations, and that's uncomfortable. A cold, dark uh, courtroom is gonna be your new environment if you're not spending the time to invest in having that uncomfortable conversation that you don't wanna have, or that uncomfortable conversation where you're throwing up because you cheated on your wife because you were too scared to go home and talk to your your wife, or she cheated on you yeah. And now you're hearing this, this news that your relationship didn't work out and she's been with another man. How uncomfortable is that? So I would challenge you in a very big way that there are far more uncomfortable things that are headed your way yeah. Yeah. if you can't have a little conversation with her. And I'll add to that, and I give credit to Peter Burke, who wrote Your Marriage Matters to God. If you guys are any faith-based listeners, that's an excellent book, too. But he said, most of these guys would tell you they'll take a bullet for their wives. They'll take a bullet for their family but they won't hand the remote over to let her watch her show and sit there with her.
1: Right. Right.
0: Take a bullet yeah. for your relationship and start moving it in the right direction. Otherwise it's going to be a slow death.
1: I agree. There's a, there's a meme out there or whatever you call it. Gift. I don't know. It's uh, I think it's Elon Musk and there's a sentence underneath of it that says most people, most people will scramble and do anything possible to grab a charger before their phone dies, yet they will do nothing as their dreams die, or a relationship dies. This is fucking true. It's yeah, so it's true. scary, right? Yep. And, and I think about, um, I think about uh, like infidelity or cheating. As you were saying that, in my opinion, that is the result of something. People don't wake up in the morning and go, "Oh man, what a great day to cheat!" You know, right. what a great day to bang someone else. They are they are they are forcing themselves and or being forced by someone else, which let's let's call accountability here, self accountability. Like it, it, cheating is is a result of a a missing in the relationship. So if that shit happens, the the, the thing that most people will do is be uh, they'll be upset at the result. Yeah. What they should be is thinking about and using that brain power to process how the fuck did this get to this. And what can I do to fix this or evolve me or change the dynamic or whatever? It's not a reason for divorce. It should not be a reason for divorce. It should be a reason for counseling. It should be a reason for signing up for the mental purpose mastermind and getting your shit out there with a group of 10 other guys who are, who are offering a safe space for you to say, like, I don't, I'm not sexually satisfying my wife or I can't talk to my wife about my feelings and I don't let her talk about her feelings to me either. Well, what's the result of that? a divorce, infidelity, a roommate situation, which one's the most uncomfortable? And, yeah. and you're right, the, the least uncomfortable in the, in the least uncomfortable out of all those is the communication, yet the one in the present moment because those other two are future seems more uncomfortable because you got to do it now. And I know guys that would do anything to go back and work on themselves during their marriage. Cause the kids are suffering and the, and they just see their wives so miserable because they didn't commit to themselves. So
0: yeah, real quick note on the infidelity piece affairs are a form of escape that is seeking renewal, rejuvenation and joy but leads to depression, anxiety and domestic violence. This is documented. (laughs) This is where it goes. It does not get you the renewal and rejuvenation and joy that you're imagining in your head. You're going to get it's not the place to go. It just creates a lot yeah. of pain.
1: Well, Mike, we have, in the words of Howard Stern, we have said it all. <laughs> not really. <laughs> though, we probably could talk about a lot more. Um, yeah. This has been great, man. Really, really, really grateful for your time on here your wisdom, your knowledge, like your, your, your viewpoints. I really enjoy. And I know the audience is going to get a lot out of this. So thanks for being here. I'm not sure how long it's been. Maybe it's been two hours. I don't know.
0: I think I'm marking right about an hour. So this is okay, this has been cool. good, buddy. But yeah, the time has flown. I, I had a really good time talking with you and uh, I hope we uh, continue to keep the conversation going. And I, I hope everybody got some good content out of this. You can find me at ironandcotton.org. Um, that, that's my website. That'll lead you to a lot of things. I have uh, more of an Instagram uh, set up. I don't do a ton on there. I um, do have a, a lot keeping me busy in the day, but you can just look at at iron and cotton and you should be able to find me on instagram uh, or facebook Uh, but yeah the books out there on on amazon you can get it pretty much anywhere barnes and noble wherever you you buy books you should be able to find it now you're going to search iron and cotton and you're going to probably see some ironing boards and uh, things like that but just scroll a couple down you'll see the book and put it in your cart and get the ebook or get the 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 book if you're an older gentleman and you've got uh, you know, kids, I, I'm telling you, I left a page in the in the book for you to write your own pieces of wisdom to pass on. This is this was really meant to be, in a way, a wedding gift too for our our young men to get them prepared for marriage in a way that a lot of us weren't. So, yeah. but a lot of the feedbacks, the guys that read it, they're like, "Man, I'm I'm glad I read this. This is something I stuff that I have never really dove into and and I uh, should be thinking more about." So, it's really for everybody, but definitely something to consider be a, a gift for someone.
1: How creative! Man, that that title is so creative and Thanks, and meaningful. Like, it's really cool. Uh, really cool. And it really defines and, and kind of harkens back to your definition of a man who's strong and vulnerable, who's yeah. and this strength in the vulnerability, and who can wield the knife yet yet be compassionate and wipe someone else's tears and cry with them. Like, that's that's really cool, man. I, I think you've got something great going on here.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well audience. I hope you enjoyed this episode and, uh, reach out to Mike. If you have any questions, grab the iron and cotton book and we'll catch you on the next one.
0: Sounds good. Take care, everybody.